I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Darren Driver, the Rodrigo push-up of the podcast, half-assed and with insufficient depth, and I'm joined today by the Ilan Melier push-up of the podcast, by crikey, that's a long way down. It's Tom Alderson, and finally, the Rasmus Christensen push-up of the podcast, Banging it out with a barely contained rage. It's only Josh Hobbs. Hobbsy, how you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Feeling, feeling a little bit unwell today. It might just be the heat. It's just, just taking me down. But I'm doing, I'm doing all right apart from that. Josh, you like I, I think, are from probably from a Celtic sort of background, and we're vampire, <laughs> yeah. we're vampire people. We don't like, we don't like it when it's like this, do we? Yeah, see, it, it, it does um, sap me. Let's let's say that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, uh, Teldo, how tall are you? Six three. Six, six four, three. So depends on who I'm talking to. Okay, <laughs> well, you're talking to me, so how tall? I'm actually six, <laughs> six three. <laughs> you're actually six three when you're talking to me, okay. Okay, so you're not quite as tall as Ilan Melier, but you do look you do look very tall in person. How are you keeping, brother? Um, I'm good, but apart from the whole of last week, I couldn't, well, most of last week I couldn't walk because I had a bite on my ankle, so I've just been hobbling around the Stockport and Manchester area for the last for the last oh, week, but no. I'm, I'm all good now, and um, I feel like it's and been a while since I've been on the podcast. I've just kind of been dodging them because you do scouting, and I just can't stand that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Taldo, your injury came from watching tennis, didn't it? So, did it come from tennis limbs? <laughs> tennis limbs. <laughs> yeah, Wimbledon. How, it was absolutely a, popping off. Like there were just limbs. How everywhere. big a bite have you got to have to not be able to walk? What's going on there? Did you get bitten by a python? I, I think it was a spider. For anyone that's interested. Excellent. So yeah. we've all we've all talked about our ailments which is nice but maybe we should talk about Leeds United um so Lewis Sinistera who's got a great name um signed from Feyenoord in last week and Hobbsy you and John did a great podcast last week where you talked about him in some depth so let's not necessarily go um into, into too much detail here boys but but from what you were saying last week you'll be really pleased to see this one get over the line won't you 
yeah, I, I think I, I didn't have much doubt that it was going to happen after it. Pretty much from the day that the story broke that we were that we were in for him, it seemed like very quickly that happened, mm-hmm. um, which was which was great. Um, yeah, I think I think he he's going to be that player who like replaces the sort of X factor that that we're losing uh, with Rafinha going. Um, don't expect to see him on the right though. Expect to see him on the left, but doing quite a lot of the t- kinds of things that um that Rafinha did so he'll be like ball carrying and looking for that kind of last pass quite often uh, I think he'll probably be trying not that Rafinha wasn't going for goal a lot but I think you you might see Sinistera uh, shooting a little bit more often than than Rafinha perhaps uh, and I also think that I uh, think I said this last week as well but I think that he's a bit of a better fit for the narrower system just because of his um ball carrying style being a little bit closer into his body rather than that sort of stretched out style of of Rafinha where once you run into a central space you've you've not got really a w- anywhere to go I think he's a bit better at that so it should it should be exciting um I'm not going to say that he's he's at the point that Rafinha is at uh, right now quality wise but hopefully it will be a good fit and with the sort of overall level of the team coming up I, I hope um, it won't feel as much like we're reliant on one player mm, that'd be a good situation to be in wouldn't it for <laughs> it sure would be, yeah, it would be <laughs> uh, Toldo I know you hate scouting but but surely you've had a look at this guy and got a little bit excited because even I've done that yeah, I've, I've had a look. I, I don't mind looking at players if we've signed them. It's when looking at players we're, we're linked with that just I can't do with that. He's um, he, he is he's exciting. Yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to seeing him play. Um, it's also nice to sort of have him in. Um, but for before Rafinha's out the door, like my worry this summer was that we'd sell Rafinha, sell Phillips, and like then we then we'd replace them. But we've got those players in. Um, and like like you say, Josh, like he he looks like he's a better fit for that for the. Marsh or Red Bull style of uh, football. So yeah, I'm excited about this one. Then see, see see what he can do. Hopefully we'll see him. Hopefully we'll see him tomorrow. Mm, yeah, tomorrow we've got a, we've got a friendly, and I sh- probably should have looked who that friendly's against before I came to record uh, this podcast. Brisbane Raw, <laughs> Brisbane Raw, Brisbane okay. Raw. Okay, so a, a, a the big friend, one, a, the big one against Brisbane Raw. So that will be yeah. Hopefully we'll get our first first look at him then. So that that'll be that's something to look out for. Hobbsy, we've still got um, still got a bit of a gap in the striker department, I think. Um, so we've still got obviously got Bamford and and Gelhart, but we are looking to bring in another another um, another centre forward. Um, it it looks like um, Dickies Lara's going to go to Milan. From that's what what the mood music seems to be that there's a similar situation to Rafinha and Barcelona, where that's that's where he really wants to go and. And that 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 deal will most likely happen. Um, so that that means that we're we're back into the market to look at other striker options. And we all know that Victor Orta always has a list. Um, what what that list contains might be up for debate at times. But um, how? Yeah. What what sort of names have been thrown around? Anyone you're excited about? Any links that, that have kind of piqued your interest? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I I don't think we're going to see this happen really quickly even though I think a lot of us would like it to be done now I think we need to like we've now got this period of like 10 days or so where the rest of the team are away on tour we're not going to sign uh whoever we're signing 
to come in and go to the tour last minute so I don't I don't think it would be worthwhile to do that at this point. Um so I think we will still even though the the mood music is that uh Dikita Lara goes to Milan, I think we're gonna hang on in there for as long as we can with it because it sounds like for all the talk of oh Milan are going to make a bid closer to Leeds, they're going to do this. They actually haven't at this point in time. Um and every time that their bid is talked about, it's like ten million less than Leeds and it and it includes some players. And I think those ki- those kinds of deals suggest to me that they they maybe won't be able to get to where Club Brugger want. But I think it basically depends on whether the player just is like, well, I really want to go to Milan, so we're going to make this happen somehow, which is basically what happened with Rafinha and Chelsea and Barca. So it kind of depends if that situation repeats itself, whether that deal will happen. I would say we almost certainly won't get him, but we're going to cling on just in case. But in the meantime, the big one that's been mentioned as the uh, as the other option for us is uh Callum Wendo um of of PSG um I like him he's a bit more um Eddie Nketiah like in that he will press he will run on the last man he will be a good penalty box um what's the word I'm looking for penalty box presence that's what I want to say uh, and he has good movement in around the six yard box so he'll score tap-ins and that, that kind of thing um, but his link-up play is not at Bamford's level um, I think it's hard for us to find a player who is kind of as rounded a striker uh, as Bamford is so I think he could he could do the job without Pat um, but we would be sort of dropping off a little bit in terms of uh, the link-up play, but then at the same time, I think he'd be a bit better at it than Joffy is right now because I think Joffy takes quite a lot out of the ball in that he takes a lot of touches and holds it, which can be great when he turns and runs at players, um, but it also can sort of kill that transition. Um, and it will certainly be better than Dan James's, which is near enough non-existent. Mm, mm. Um, so I think it, he would be a good signing. Um, but the thing about Dikita Lara is that he has that rounded game. He can play back to goal way better uh, than Callum Wendo could. Like he would play it similarly to Pat, but then also he could start in the same team as Pat because he's capable of playing on either side or behind the striker as well. So I think that's why we're hanging in there on him mm-hmm. because it's like this player is so good that it's worth us waiting because he can really improve our team um i would say there's probably going to be like two other good options other than callum wendo but i don't know if there are many that have been talked about publicly there was ben brereton diaz that got spoken about i don't think we'll go for him i think he's his value um in terms of what blackburn want it would be way too high for what he's actually done so far in his career and then there, yesterday there was Joshua Xerxes uh, of Anderlecht, but he's one where some other managers in his career have said he has attitude issues. He had a good season for Anderlecht last season, um, but he hasn't maybe kicked on to where people expected him to be when he was like breaking out as a wonder kid player. So 
Yeah, uh, what a long way of me saying I don't know who we're, <laughs> we're going for. But I think it. I think we'll wait. So in a week or so, maybe we'll see whether Milan have got closer, and maybe we'll move on Calamundo. Maybe it will be another one of these surprising things like Sinistera we didn't know about at all until suddenly it was like Leeds are close to agreeing this deal. So maybe it'll be that. I mean, all all stats aren't we has does have a history of finding ever longer and more convoluted ways of saying I don't know and you just fit right in with that healthy tradition that helps you well I wanted I wanted to I wanted to (laughs) (laughs) explain what I thought about the actual options but yeah Yeah, I think that's very good and would (laughs) it took a bit of a long time would it be uncharitable of me to say that that Dikita Lara could come to us this summer because Milan would then know with reasonable certainty that we'd sell him on the cheap to them next summer (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> should we leave that one there <laughs> yeah can I ask can I ask one question about the strikers well um, so from what you've said it sounds like um, Leeds are looking at kind of like strikers that can play with Bamford and strikers that can lead the line on their own but they don't seem to know what they want that's the impression I've got anyway I think the I think the primary thing they're going for is someone that can play with Pat because we might play a two. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> um although I I would probably argue that you've kind of got that already with Joffy and Rodrigo. So I don't know if you need someone who can play in a two. I would be more concerned with someone that can cover Pat if Pat's not there because that was our big issue um last season that when he wasn't there we didn't have a classic like nine. Um so I, I, I think I'd want to see that more. But the the thing with that is if you if we play a four two three one, then that player doesn't start. Whereas again, to go back to Dikita Lara, he can play as the one if you if you need him to play as the one, but also he can play in the three behind. Yeah. Um so I think that might be why he's the number one choice, other than the fact that he also is potentially the the like highest ceiling player. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Stuff to think about. Okay, um, so let's come to the friendly that we played last week against um, against Blackpool. So it was a 4-0, 4-0 win. Um, Tom, what did what did you make of this this game? It's it's difficult to make too much of it, I think, because it's like a first run out. I don't think they'd actually been back training that long. Um, and especially that second half, that basically just turned into a under-21s, under-23s game, didn't it? Uh, but that first half, I thought... There was some positive signs, like I'm not going to say there was like massive tactical developments, but there was some signs of the kind of stuff that I thought Marsh should sort of want us to start doing um, this season. So that was nice to see, um, and then like the positive things like Archie, Archie Gray or like some of some other players, like they they played quite well. So yeah, I, th- I think. A lot of people are kind of discounting it because it's Blackpool, but then I would sort of point them to last season when we looked terrible all pre-season and then we were terrible. So I'd rather have us looking good against Blackpool than like just complete than playing rubbish and be like, oh yeah, pre-season doesn't matter. Like it's definitely it's definitely better having it this way, to, no matter who it is that we're playing. Mm. Hobbsy, did we see any evidence of tactical development or some some implementation of what we'd expect to see Marsh's teams to play like? I think there were there were some green shoots there, is what I would say. Um, I want to see a lot more in the next games, but I, there were definitely some things there. So first of all, I think 
um you see why uh rocker fits uh in the role because he so we talked about this before when he was being signed that phillips was a player who's best passing was from the center out to wide mm-hmm. um whereas with rocker i think there's something about him passing through the middle of the pitch yeah uh and i believe that is what marsh wants more anyway so you were seeing him trying to drive the ball into uh those central areas outside the the um blackpool penalty box so that we could create a bit from there i wouldn't say we had a great um job in actually then doing that um but at least you could see that we were trying to get the ball to there um and little things like him playing that uh driven through ball sort of in between the channel of their right back and their right center back that furpo was able to run onto um for the um offside goal in like the first three or four minutes um so that so i thought that was good um and that sort of showed some more of how I think Marsh wants us to play. And also, I know like some people will sort of say, uh, we scored three set-piece goals against Blackpool. Um, but I would say Marsh is a set-piece guy. <laughs> like He wants us to be creative uh, from set-pieces. Um, and like, yeah, like the first one was just uh, a quickly taken free kick. But I think he'll see that as, like, I don't care if it's a friendly, like I want us to get into that mindset of like this is an opportunity to um to score a goal um and then the third one was a like a one from a breakdown where it had, the corner had been cleared away and I thought Archie did well to get that back into the into a dangerous position Joffy nice touch and a good finish from Rodrigo so yeah that was good to see and then the the fourth goal I thought that was really one of the best things that we've seen Mm. um in marsh football which funnily enough it was basically an entirely under 21s goal yeah um which we've talked about a few times haven't we that we think that the under 21s had sort of grasped the uh the way that he wanted us to play a lot quicker yeah um but we saw that where you had charlie allen was the attacking midfielder in that moment and he was like rotating down and Jeremiah Mullen drove the ball into his feet. He flicks around the corner. That was delightful, and, that little touch. Yeah, really nice it. little flick. And Shackleton's making a run from right back. He's coming in like diagonally. So he runs straight into the box uh, and then cut back for Joseph to finish. And that whole goal like took place, sorry, that whole move took place like within, inside the like right-hand side of the penalty box. So we're in the centre of the pitch for that whole time and it's just four passes and we're we're through. Uh, so I think that kind of thing we want to see more. Uh, yeah, it was a rubbish half apart from that moment. Yeah. But, yeah. But, I took but your still. advice and didn't watch the second half. I have to confess, <laughs> I just watched the first half. Yeah, no, um, it was a really bad second half, but that was, that was good. So Tom, um, Hobbsy's talked there uh, quite a bit about some sort of decent stuff that started to happen on the ball, albeit with the caveat that there is a lot, hopefully a lot more to come. Um, what about some of the off-ball stuff? Because it, I, I think with, within this, I think we have to acknowledge that Blackpool were really, really limited and, and very, very poor on the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but but Tom, I want I wonder whether. Um, whether our off the ball stuff started to look any better than it did at the end of last season. What are your thoughts about that? 
again, I think it was for me. It was more like signs of the right thing. The, my, my, my issue with this is that Blackpool were basically stationary, like with and without the ball. Um, so I think like the, there were some signs of what we kind of, what we think Marsh wants to do again. So like I'm I'm going to take some positives from that, but. I, I don't know. I've, I'm. I'm. The, it was kind of more the on-ball stuff that I took more than the the off-ball stuff from that friendly. I, I didn't. There wasn't really. I, I, I didn't notice much, to be honest. But I don't. I don't know what you what you think, Josh. I I think I would say that um, we were winning the ball back well in midfield, pretty well. So I think that like counter pressing yep. was quite good, although it wasn't necessarily leading to chances. But I think we were winning the ball back quickly in defensive transition and stopping them from managing to break on us. But there was a clear weak point to me, which was the left-hand side. And that, to me, was both Rocker and Firpo. Um, so Firpo was getting... He's just so often late to the ball in those moments and then just kind of gets rinsed. Um, and Rocker... Um, I kind of saw what I thought of him before which is that on the ball he would be really good um and we started to see that um but when it comes to those defensive transition moments he will go to the ball it's not like he's not trying to win it but I think he's a bit slow in actually getting there mm. and so he made about three fouls in the center and which is okay because you'd rather have have those fouls um than them breaking but I also thought we're going to see him get booked so much. <laughs> yeah, a couple of them <laughs> like, were, were a bit he, reckless, weren't they? He's going to get booked all the time, so he's definitely getting he's definitely getting the the uh, the two suspensions that you get for the five yellows and the ten yellows. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> you can see that now. I agree, um, and I think he he will benefit from having Adams next to him because Adams, I think, is so much more nippy and and he's just an like he's a natural to this counter pressing style. Uh, I think John said this before, and it is fair to say, like when you've got one player on one side and one player on the other side, you can't just have the ball winning guy cover the other guy all the time. That won't work. And that is fair. Um, but I do think he will take like some of that pressure away. Um, but for now, I think we might see that our left hand side where you've got rocker there, you've got junior there, like they're going to need help. And the, the other guy is Sinistera, who's more of an attacker, although I would say he's a hard-working guy. Mm. Yeah, interesting. So Tom Hobbsy touched on this a little bit in, in some of his comments, but as, as we said, three of the goals were from set pieces. We didn't make a tremendous amount of chances from open play other than that. Is that just a symptom of it being pre-season? Is that something to worry about? Is that a symptom of... Blackpool setting up I was going to say a low block but I'll say a low blob instead because that probably feels more, more accurate um, it, yeah just tell me about that tell me about why we didn't perhaps make as many chances from open play as you'd hope in a game like this yeah that, that that doesn't worry me too much I think it would it would worry me more if we sort of come from these games in Australia and we're still seeing the same thing I think because it's a bit of first game a bit of a mishmash of players I know Marsh has been there a while but I would say new tactics like it it's not going to go to come together immediately, uh, no matter who it is that you're playing. Um, so that, that that stuff doesn't worry me currently. Um, and like Josh said about the set pieces, like that Marsh does like that. Um, so f- for me, it's like I, I kind of see 
even though we didn't create those chances, the fact that we're scoring goals in whatever form um, and that if we can get the set pieces working this year, it's just it's it's fine. It gives us a different way to attack. Because so often I think I've found in the past that set piece, especially under Bielsa, set pieces felt like such an afterthought that um, sort of like we just we'd get a corner and everyone in the stadium gets excited and I'm like, well, we never score from corners. What's the what's the point? Um, so, but now with that, like, if you can give us just something something different to do and sort of like if you can get even what well, a handful of goals a year they it, it just it makes a difference um so yeah i think the set pieces are positive and then i'm not too worried about the open play stuff currently mm. hobsey what are you hoping to see from the australian friendlies uh hopefully another goal similar to that fourth goal mm. <laughs> um, with some first no. team players involved <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no i think i think um i'm excited to see players like aronson uh, Christensen and Adams in the team and how will they like instantly improve us in terms of the system because you would think that they will because they know it um, they know it like the back of their hand um, but yeah I think I want to see more open play chances obviously so I think in this kind of system that's going to rely on like quick combinations on the edge of the box um, so I think uh, maybe Joffy might thrive. Uh, I want to see how Pat works in this a bit more because we've only seen it in like what have we seen in play under Marsh? Like probably the Norwich game and the start of the Wolves game. And, yeah, that's all we've yeah, got. So three like, quarters of a game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and not even not even fit in those appearances. So I'm excited to see how it works when we've got that guy that can link it all up playing back to goal. Um that could be good. Um and also I wanna see something happen where we at least create some chances through those um counter pressing in midfield moments. So when you watch things about Marsh tactically, one of the big things is like winning the ball and then driving with it and going to the penalty spot. Um, I don't think we've really seen that much yet. Um, so that's something that I would like to see us getting in that direction because obviously we're by the end of this tour, we've just got the calorie game and then it's Wolves. So we, we want to be, we want to be get, getting that into our game because if that's a key way that we're going to score, um, yeah, we need to see it. And the other thing, sorry, I, I know I'm going on, but I, I noticed it in the training video a couple of a couple ago, but also I read it. Uh, I think it was Graham Smith mentioned it, but they've been doing lots of these drills where they um, they go for low crosses, um, so they build and then drive to like a narrow kind of position just just inside the box and then drill a low cross and then three players attack so you have a player near post run center run back post i wonder whether we'll score we'll be looking to score goals from low crosses that's again another marsh thing from salzburg that makes sense that makes sense many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, let's move on from the, from the, um, from the Blackpool game and just pick up a little bit about Archie Gray. So, um... Tom, what did you make of Jesse Marsh's comments that Archie Gray is a first-team player now? Yeah, I wonder. I reckon it's probably more, you know, one of Marsh's ways of like motivating players, saying like he like he didn't he didn't look out of place, and I think he's we know he will probably get to that level, um, and it, maybe it means more that he'll be like training in and around the squad more this season. Um, I personally don't think he should. He, I don't think he should be playing the league. Um, mm. I think he would physically be killed in the in the league at the moment. Um, but like, yeah, technically he's, he's definitely up to it. Um, I like if, if if he ends up playing a couple of cup games, um, just to give him sort of exposure, that that would be fine for me. I, mm. I think that would be something good for him. But I, I don't think there's more weight to it than that. Really, I think it's just that he's pushing he's pushing that level, but he's not he's not like I wouldn't be expecting him to start matches. In the league, and mm. or like even he'd be on, he might be on the bench, but I don't think he'd be a massive figure in the first team squad next mm. season. Mm. Hobbsy, we watched him a lot last year, and when we were doing the twenty threes, aren't we podcast? And the, there were times when he looked when he looked good in the in the twenty threes last year, and there were there were times when he looked like he was physically out of his depth, and a couple of times he looked like he was technically a bit shaky in, in some of those games as well. Um, so, like, just as a thought experiment, how do you think he'd cope in Premier League football? Um, it's difficult to say because I think when I first saw him, uh, I didn't, I thought that although he was tall, he looked like he didn't have the, um, the muscle mass about him. Like I think I've said a few times, like he needs to like grow into his frame. Mm. Um, and so he was quite wiry and I also like you would see him get cramp, like, quickly because i think he was struggling with the intensity yeah um i would say that he coped fine against blackpool however the intensity was really low it was um i would say that the intensity of that game was not as high as some of the like the under 23s uh games were in premier league two agreed um so you saw him like coping with jewels against uh championship midfielders and looking like it was no problem for him. But also, I wonder if those players were at their peak fitness and playing at their peak intensity, would they just mop him up? Um, I think I think at the moment, I feel like he has a chance to play in the Premier League this season. Um, certainly with the five subs. I think without the five subs, probably not. And I think he's going to be some way down the pecking order. If you think of the fact that at the moment now, midfield is going to be Rocker and Adams, it's going to be Forshaw and Click. And then you've probably got JB and and Gray as the young 
options who are kind of like pushing those players. Mm. Um, I wonder if he might get a chance like in the new year, mm. like if he's really impressing throughout the season, uh, maybe he'll he'll start to get some chances. He might play in the cups, has been said, and if he's done well there, then maybe he comes in. But I think Marsh is a guy that wants to take chances on young players. Mm. Uh, and I think Gray is a really exciting talent. Um, so I think it's there is a chance of it, but I, we don't want to. What we don't want is to be reliant on him, mm. uh, and what we don't want is to be um, pushing him too much too soon. Uh, yeah. He's already playing up by playing in the under twenty threes. Well, it'll be under twenty ones now, but considering that he's sixteen, like yes. Some players have made it into the Premier League before at that age. James Milner, of course, but let's let's let him get there naturally. Is it wise, Hobsey? Like, because you, you know you're 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 in, into scouting and and you watch a lot of young players and stuff. Like, is it is it really wise to push to fast track a sixteen year old this quickly? Do you think? Like, as a yeah, as a general concept, not necessarily speaking about Archie Gray here, but yeah. But I think it's an interesting discussion. I think it can be good for them in that they are tested at a high level early. Like, they are able to develop in terms of like gaining the experience of playing against adults and. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like even just mat like match experience of just so mentally, you know what that's like. I think that's something mm. important as much as it is like learning, right. This is what I've got to do here. This is how I need to, um, like adjust to the speed of playing in the Premier League. I think that kind of thing is, is important, but with any player at this age, you d- you definitely don't want to overplay them at this age mm. um because you end up with um yeah you end up with a player that's sort of like physically got a lot more minutes under their belt uh than they should at the age and you think of players like like we saw Jack Wilshere's retired at the age of 30 and he had that sort mm. of monster season when he was like 17 18 where he played like nearly every game in the Premier League Champions League, FA Cup, and then his body just broke after that. So well, I don't think we're going to see that with Archie because he's not coming in to be the star player kind of at this age. But you still need to be careful of it. Like get them in if they if they if they're ready to play at that level at that age. Like there's not a reason to be like oh no we shouldn't do it, but just like be careful with them treat them remember how young they are yeah absolutely tom you got any thoughts yeah i think just to add on to that i think i've got john's voice in my head and i don't know if he said it last week or on tv or something but like you're seeing younger players get flogged to death and like their age curve just sort of compressing and then being done by sort of a, the mid their mid-20s so i think what what you've seen like Foden comes to mind where like City managed his minutes until like he was a good age and he like bedded him in and people saying he needs to play he needs to play and like they kind of did, they did that well and now like you'd, you would think he would have that longevity so I think I'd rather see on that point like I'd, I'd rather see Gray sort of eased in and like come to the time when he's ready for the first team in like naturally rather than force him up for, for no reason like yeah give give, give him minutes to to ex- to expose him but I won't I don't want him like pushed up and sort of ahead ahead of his development for 
for no reason unless it's completely necessary. It's it's important to sort of um, make the comparison like between him and Lewis Bate. So Bate needs to play yeah. now. Like he's he's twenty and he needs to play senior football now. So for him, it's like you need to loan him out and he needs to play as much as as he can because he's at that he's at a critical time where his career can can go backwards if he doesn't play now but gray is <laughs> four years younger than that um so he doesn't need to play at the level yet anything that he gets is like a bonus so you just sort of like get, give him what we can if he if he deserves it and he he keeps on pushing and he's got the quality for it he'll he'll play um but th- this isn't a situation where it's necessary for him to play yeah agreed Okay, let's move on to the one of the elephants in the room, which is that the Rafinha deal looks like it's just about done and dusted, and we're, we'll be expecting an announcement any any day now. Um, so this morning, Graham Smith reported that the deal for Rafinha is fifty million plus five million uh, in add-ons, and that's pounds. Um, I'm talking about not euros. So, Tom, what do you make of that fee? Um, I'm glad that it's more upfront than add-ons to, um, with Barcelona's financial situation because I think with with add-ons and them, like I worry that the money will just never appear. Um, the f- the fee is kind of I don't know there was a, there was a lot of fees mo- sort of mentioned over the summer for Rafinha and like I feel like this is on the probably the lower end of it, but I think I think it's fine if um, you get the money in and if we can get. If we can use that money to then get the striker in um, earlier on than we thought, because I, th- I think that it's been talked about a lot that we need this money in to get the next the next signings done. Um, so yeah, I, f- I think if we can get that money in, even if it's a little bit less, it kind of puts the whole thing to bed um, and sort of allows us to move on with our business and get it done as well, like in the next couple of weeks, really before before the season starts. So yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's mostly fine. So, Hobbsy, from your point of view, does it make more sense to maximise the fee for the player or to just simply grease the wheels of the transfer window, which is kind of what it feels a little bit like we've done? Um, yeah, I I think, ultimately, I think this is kind of what we had to do. I think we needed to keep our own business ticking over. We needed to get the money in. I think all of us probably wanted another 10 million or so. Um, but Ultimately, I think if you're a team that finished 17th in in the Premier League and you escaped relegation on the final day of the season, you don't <laughs> you don't have a lot of uh, negotiating power in the first place. You you basically can't keep the player, so you can't really say like, oh well, if they don't give us the money that we want for you, then you're just not going because ultimately, like we need to raise the level of our team and we can't do that without our sales. Yes, we've sold Phillips, but that's not enough on its own either. Um, and I, I just think also we were just a bit sold short in the fact that Rafinha was only ever going to go to one place. So yeah, we could have got more money out of Chelsea, but, um, he didn't want to go there. What yeah. can you do? The player, like, the player needs to agree to the deal, right? Yeah, and, and, yeah. I, and I think that, and I think that's fair. At the end of the day, I think people kind of forget about this. Like they go, like, oh, he's he's screwed us over or, or whatever. <laughs> but it's like, but it's his job 
and he gets to work where he wants to work, gets yeah. to work where he wants to work. Like we don't get forced to go and do different jobs that we don't want to do. Like, of course we all, um, like in different kinds of careers that aren't, aren't football. Sometimes you end up in jobs you don't particularly like, but no, like no one is forced to like, well, you have to work there and you can't like, we're making you go there. No, of course like, that's, not. that's not how it works. Like we don't control where they play. So, um, that's the situation that we're we're in and i think i'm okay with it and i wish him well because i i love him i think he was an incredible player for us um and yeah I, it's i've tweeted this earlier but if i could go back in time and tell myself 5 years ago that um the starting right winger for brazil would be a leeds united player i would be so confused. Mm. I, w- I mm. wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to comprehend that. When Paul Heckingbottom was there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It's, it's a difficult thing to imagine, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with you, Hobbsy. Like, I, I wish him well too, and I, I will really miss him as much as he drove me mad at times. Um, like, he was, you know, clearly our best player. So. Hobbsy, tell me about how the team adapts to a post-Rafinha world because there is there has always been the suspicion that Marsh's style doesn't really suit him, but he was also clearly our best player, so there was a, there was an inherent tension there at the end of last season anyway. So how do how do we adapt without Rafinha? Well, I think I touched on it earlier in that I think we will see Sinistera uh, be be that guy who takes on some of that, um, but then there's also going to be. Um, I think we've got Aronson as another ball carrier. I don't know how creative I feel like Aronson's going to be yet, um, but he's certainly going to help us get the ball closer to to dangerous areas by by carrying it. Um, and then, yeah, I I think we might see someone like Jack Harrison step up a little bit more, and whoever else comes in as an additional attacker, Joffy as well. I hope will take a bigger role uh, next. Yeah, this season coming sorry uh, and yeah we we hope that this system be it four two 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 or be it four two three one or maybe a, even a three at the back formation whatever we see um hopefully the principles of that system start working better uh, and we see more system created goals than we just see uh individual moments goals mm. I I agree. Uh, anything to add there, Tom? Or happy no, to no, on? happy to move on. Obviously, everything really. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, so the final thing that we um, wanted to talk about today was just um, the situation in our left back position um, because Junior is broken again, uh, probably for around eight weeks this time. Um, and Tom, this signing it looks more and more like a bit of a bust all the time, doesn't it? I mean, I. This is the danger of this sort of reclamation project, right? Where you sign a player who's had high potential at one point, but who hasn't, for whatever reason, managed to fulfil it, whether it be through injuries or a different thing. It, 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 this kind of really highlights the risk of that sort of approach, doesn't it? Yeah, and we're, we're seeing those sort of things miss more than they hit more and more. Um, and it, like it kind of Junior kind of worried me this year if we were going in with just him as left back. Like if you take the injuries out of it. Like, I just didn't think he was like a, a good fit for Marsh football. Or, um, so it it could almost be a bit of a blessing in disguise that we're forced to bring in a left back that fits us more, doesn't get injured, doesn't you don't worry about him running, people running behind him as much. Um, 
so yeah, I think I think this and we can't really cut ties with him and just like write it off. And I don't think Orta's the kind of guy that likes to do that. Um, but it just looks like m- more and more, it's just like it, it hasn't worked at all, really. Mm. Any thoughts, Hobbsy? Uh It's difficult with him, isn't it? Because I think we all think he, did, he didn't play particularly well. But then there were games where you'd start to think, oh, is he kind of getting somewhere here? And then he would get injured again. Like, the, he's never been able to string together, like, five games in a row it doesn't feel like um there's always been a like a niggly injury there that's then mean meant that he's then missed like three or four and then he comes back and he has to start building up that rhythm again i think we know that his one-on-one defending is not good yeah so i think ultimately that's always going to make him weak in this system um but i do think in terms of counter pressing he could be good because i think Around the halfway line is where he can kind of do his best defending, where he sort of like nips in um, and gets across and uses his body well. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it would be mad to to not buy another left back. I thought it was going to be mad even if he wasn't injured. Um, but now that he's injured, it's like, seriously, for the love of God, buy a left back. And there's been this, I mean, Marsh even said, um, oh yeah, like we've been looking at Leif Davis and he's been doing well, and I, I just kind of think I hope that's just blowing smoke at this point because ultimately I think he's a League One player. Um, I can't see him coming through preseason and then being like, "Great, that's our left back backup option." Like you've got to get someone else, even if it's just a, a stopgap, and then because I can see that the club probably don't want to spend another decent fee on the left back having only just done that last season but I think you also have to realise when when you've hit a bust um, Any names that have been linked any players you're excited about there Hobbsy or is it too early in this process to say? I think it's early to say because I think they've only really just decided it um, but I did see the links to Josh uh, Tymon from Stoke City mm-hmm. this was actually before the injury and I, I quite liked that I think like he's 23, uh, played a good amount in the championship, um, gets up and down. Like, I don't think his body's going to break down like Juniors has. Like, maybe he's not like one where you'd be like, right, well, his main attribute is just solid 1v1 defending. But I think he's a good all-rounder. And I think ultimately the kind of left back that you would want, like for future, if it doesn't work out with Marsh, Whereas I don't think I'd want to just sign someone who's just a good 1v1 defender because then if Marsh goes, then you're left with thinking, oh, we need to upgrade at left back again because we need someone that can attack. Mm, for sure. Okay. Any other business chaps? Don't think so. I think that's it, mate. Sounds like we're done. <laughs> it sounds like we're done. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's weekly podcast um we will be back next week to talk about the latest goings on at elland road probably talking about the brisbane friendly and any other transfer links and bits and pieces of business like that so look out for that um all that's left for me to do now is to say thank you to tom thank you very much and thank you to hobsy cheers mate look after yourself mate see you soon cheers bye
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.